Thank you for tuning in to Propel Church. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening to our podcast, we're so glad that you chose to join us today. We believe that God has great things in store for you and hope that you are encouraged and inspired by this message. Hey, I'm super excited to be with you today. If we haven't had the privilege of meeting before, my name is Pastor Nick Newman. My wife and I started this church a little over six and a half years, heading to seven years ago. And we're so honored that you chose to be a part of our worship experience today. Uh, It's an incredibly exciting season for our church. We told you months ago we were on the hunt to buy land and build a new facility. And last week we came out with a pretty big announcement that uh, the owners of this facility that we lease have sold the property, but in that was a buyout clause for us. And in September, when this property sells, uh, we get a check for $315,000, which is amazing. Come on, to go towards... Uh, building our new home. And uh, if you've ever done a big project like that, you know that you need some cash on the front end and God just provides in some mysterious ways. And so he's been doing that. But we also told you last week uh, what that meant for us, which was that we're going to be going portable. And we announced that Mount Pleasant Middle School has agreed to host us for that temporary season, about a year and a half or so as we build our future home. And you may be wondering like, come on, pastor, tell us about land. I'm coming, I promise. I got, we're real close on a piece of property. So you keep praying, you keep fasting. And when I say we're close, like I'm ready to come out with some details, but my board is like slowed down. You know what I'm saying? So that's why we have things like that in place. It's because I get real eager and excited and I need people in my life who can help me out. And so, uh, so we'll come to you soon as, as soon as we know that this is going to be the right spot for us and uh, super excited. But, but in all that, um, just to celebrate one more thing with you, um, last weekend alone, we saw five people give their life to Jesus. And really, that's what it's all about. Huge, huge. So we've got all those things going on. And then at the same time, while everything is really exciting in the life of our church, our world is in a really interesting spot. Things are pretty chaotic. Things are filled with turmoil. I had the opportunity to take my wife uh, to Disney this past week, and so I really wasn't on social media until Thursday night. And when I got on, I saw what had happened in Texas this week, that there was a shooting in an elementary school that killed more than 18 children and two teachers and then I remembered that there was a shooting just a couple weeks ago in Buffalo where a guy went in with racial motivations to kill people who look different than he does. And I want to be really clear that racism is not just sinful, it's demonic because it devalues something that God has placed value on. God has created each and every single one of us. Yes, we look different, but the differences we have are to communicate who he really is. It's, yeah. There is no race above. There's only one name above every other name, and that's Jesus. And so when we look at all those things that are going on in our world, it can kind of leave us in this position of where I was at Thursday, where I was going, God, why? Like, I've been pastoring now for over 10 years, and I've been kind of like, Lord, I'd love to be able to tell you things are getting better, but they're not. Yeah. Things are getting worse. And in fact, that's what Scripture tells us is going to happen. It's not that this world gets better. And some people preach that. They say, you know, when you give your life to Jesus, everything's going to be great and the world's going to get better. And I don't know what them people are smoking, right? Like, 
That's not what scripture teaches us. Scripture talks about, Paul says, in the last days, people are going to become lovers of themselves. They're going to backbite one another. There's going to be tension. And, fr- and he's, he, that, he's just talking about what's going on inside the church. The world's going to get more dark and sexually perverse. And he's got all these things. The world's going to get worse. And it can leave you and I in the position of going like, God, why? If you have the opportunity to step in, if you could do something, why don't you intervene? And we get frustrated and we get angry in that process. And so that's kind of the tension I was living in on Thursday and Thursday evening. And I had a message planned for this weekend, but I'm going to teach you that one next because I think God started speaking to me on an airplane because I was just closer to him (laughs) in that moment. And so if you have a Bible, I want to take you to Habakkuk chapter one. If you don't have a Bible, it's going to be available on the screen beside me. But additionally, if you go to your YouVersion Bible app or whatever app, it's going to make it really easy for you to find the book. It's in the Old Testament. If you have a paper Bible, uh, go to the New Testament and then just kind of work your way backwards a little bit. Probably page 846, you know, and if it was page 846, you owe me at least a dollar, right? Because that was a really good guess. Habakkuk chapter one. Beginning in verse two, it says this, how long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you don't come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. The law has become paralyzed and there's no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous. So justice has become perverted. Habakkuk is experiencing some frustration. He's kind of mad at the situation because when he looks at the world, the world doesn't look like what he thinks it ought to look like. You ever been there? Yeah. Where you've you thought, man, if, if God is really good, why in the world does the world look so bad? And why is there so many things that are wrong and going on and all of this stuff? And Habakkuk is like, man, I'm tired of it. I'm frustrated. God, how much longer am I going to have to cry out to you and you do nothing? How much longer am I going to have to watch these things happen in the world? And I feel like you're not doing anything. Here's what it shows me about Habakkuk. And I think it's going to be helpful for your relationship with God. What you need to know is that God is big enough to handle your questions and frustrations. I don't know what your theological or biblical upbringing was, but there are some forms of teaching that will teach you that when you talk to God, there's never a time where you can bring frustrations or questions. We've turned fear of God, which really means to have a holy reverence into something that God never intended it to be, which is literal fear. We're so afraid that he might spite us or smite us or throw lightning bolts from heaven that we never get real and honest with him. That's not a relationship. When we talk about being in a relationship with God, it means that there's going to be times where you have questions and frustrations because that's how a relationship works. You ever been married to somebody and like never had questions or frustrations with them? Yeah, some of y'all got real quiet, right? (laughs) This is not the time to elbow your spouse, you know? 
No, why? Because when we're in relationship with somebody, there's times where we don't understand why they do what they do. My wife never understands why my shirts go beside the laundry basket, not in the laundry basket. You know what I'm saying? Why? We're in relationship. She's got questions. Sometimes it leads to frustrations. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's times that God works the same. You're gonna be in these moments in your relationship with God where you experience not understanding why he's doing what he's doing, which will cause you to have questions. And then can we be honest for a second? There's sometimes where we don't like the things that God does and it leads to frustration. Because we only have one part of the puzzle. We only see one piece of the picture and God sees the end from the beginning. And so he's got more details. So it's easy to get frustrated when you don't have all the answers and you don't know really what's going on. No relationship is void of questions and frustrations. So when we see chaos in the world, we don't avoid God. We run toward him. We go to him because that's what it looks like to be in relationship. And that's what Habakkuk models for us, that bringing God our frustrations, our hurts, our grievances. Um, But as he's doing that, he describes the world that he lives in. So can we go back to that Habakkuk text really quick? We'll start there. And so look, he says, why must I watch all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. In other words, People are being murdered. There's war going on. That's the world we live in today, right? right? Then he keeps going and he says this, I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. That doesn't seem like our world at all. Think about this for a second though. They didn't even have Facebook. Sometimes we feel like scripture is not relevant for our lives, but tucked in between the lines of text are things that are still applicable today. And I'm going to give you the reason why in just a second, but he talks about how in the world he lives in, which is over 2000 years ago, this is before Jesus ever comes onto the scene. When we're in these moments, there's war, there's violence and destruction everywhere. He's watching people. They look miserable in life. He's surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. And then he says, the law has become paralyzed. When we look at the Hebrew words there that are being used, it's communicating this idea that the law has become numb to people. In other words, they don't, they don't feel it anymore. Not, not only do they not feel it, but they've started just doing whatever they want because the law doesn't really matter to them. And he's talking about the Mosaic law. So the 12 commandments, 10 commandments, sorry, there's 12 disciples, 10 commandments. I get it wrong sometimes. I'm human. You got 10 commandments and the Mosaic law, he says that people, they're just, they've just become paralyzed to it. They, and so because they've become paralyzed, because they've become desensitized to it, they just go about doing whatever they want. That's definitely the world we live in, yeah. where people are in this position now where instead of conforming to God's truth, we try and create our own truth. So you hear people say, well, you just own your truth. God, let me be, you're not going to like me for this. That's fine. Yeah, I don't need you to like me. You, <laughs> You don't have a truth. God has a truth. If we get to own our own truth, here's the problem with that. We become the ones who define morality and define what's right and wrong. 
And here's why that's dangerous. Because at some point, what you deem right is going to conflict with what I deem right. What happens when your truth says it's okay to murder people? Does it become okay to murder people? No. That's why morality, standards, truth has to exist outside of people who have feelings because feelings aren't based on reality. They're based on circumstances and situations because when your situation changes, your feelings change. Come on. Have to exist outside of all those things in someone who is perfect. And that's why the standard we have comes from God alone. He says the world we live in, the people have just become numb to the law. They're doing whatever they want. He keeps going, says there's no justice in the courts. In other words, the man-made systems aren't working. The wicked far outnumber the righteous and justice has just become perverted. This is the world we live in. And the reason why it's the world we live in is because if we go back to Genesis chapter three, when sin enters into the world, the world is then in a broken, fallen condition. And that's still the same place we occupy today. The world's broken. Sin is still a part of the world we live in. That's why as followers of Jesus, our hope is not in this world getting better. Our hope is in the fact that our best days are ahead in Christ. Why do bad things happen? Because sin is in the world. We live in a broken and fallen world. Can you imagine if this world was perfect, what benefit would there be to heaven? What benefit would there be for you and I to experience perfection with God if we've never experienced what it was like to be separated from him and to be in a broken and fallen world? Why are bad things happening? Because the world is broken and desperately needs a savior. And I'm all for us becoming people who are are working on policies and regulations and reform, but our hope can't be built or based in those things. It has to be in the only thing that is unshakable, which is Jesus Christ. Because you and I were made for something more. When we look at our lives, if you're a follower of Jesus, this broken world that we live in is the worst you will ever experience. Because when you breathe your last breath, eternity begins for you. You get to be in perfection with God, in communion, in connection. I don't know what heaven's going to look like, but here's what I do know. It's perfect. Here's what scripture says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says that, He's going to wipe away every tear. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things will be gone forever. That's what eternity looks like with God. No more sickness, no more pain, no more suffering, no more agony. None of those things. No more backbiting and arguing. Come on, we're just going to be fishing in heaven. It's going to be amazing. I don't know what heaven looks like, but here's what I do know. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is the worst your life will ever be. But if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, this is the best your life will ever be. And you know you were made for more than that. I don't have to convince you that you were made for more than mass shootings and living in a broken and fallen. You know you were made for more than that because every time those things happen in our world, something inside of you goes, man, there's gotta be something better. And there is. Yeah. And his name is Jesus. So Habakkuk comes to God. He's saying, God, look, there's all of these things happening. And he's honest. He's transparent. He's 
sharing his frustrations. And this is what the Lord says in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. He says, the Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if somebody told you about it. Here's the second thing I've got for you this morning. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer doesn't mean he, it wasn't heard. Um, most of the frustrations we have in our relationship with God are based on timing. <laughs> because I don't know about you, but I think I like to move a lot faster than God does sometimes. Come on, anybody else? It's like, Lord, I trust you. I just don't know about that timing thing you got. Like, I would like it here and now in this moment. There's times in our relationship with God where you're praying for something, but there's a period of time where you don't feel like he's answering and you don't feel like he is hearing you. This happens to me at our house. There's sometimes where Tori's in another room in the house and she'll call for me and I will not hear her right? It's not because I've tuned her out. I'll probably have a headphone in or something. And she'll come into the room and she'll look at me and be like, why haven't you answered? It's because I didn't hear you. You know, God doesn't work like that. When we call out, God hears us. And and because he's omnipresent, because he's all powerful and all knowing, God even hears the things that you haven't come to him with yet. He knows the things you've been avoiding addressing. Just because God hasn't answered your prayer doesn't mean that he didn't hear you pray it in the first place. But sometimes in our relationship with God, we feel like our prayers are falling on deaf ears. But what Habakkuk gives us confidence in is that we can not only bring our frustration to God, but when God responds, it shows us that even while we're waiting, God is working. We sing that in that song, um, um, Waymaker, right? And yeah. you'll see me, man, when we do it on the, I'm on the front row, I worship on the front row every week because I think, uh, well, I don't have time to get into that. I only got 17 minutes and four seconds. But during that song, right, we took, even when I can't see it, you're working. Yes. There's going to be a lot of times you don't see it. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Yeah. When you don't see or feel God, he is doing things on your behalf. And that's what he's trying to share with Habakkuk. I want to teach you something about trust. And it's that God's silence is not his absence. God's silence is not his absence. In our lives, there is time where you begin to talk and you begin to pray and you begin to seek after God but you feel like he's not saying anything. Habakkuk's in this position and God responds by saying, hey, listen, I'm doing something on your behalf that you can't even see. And even if somebody told you about it, you wouldn't even believe it. And that's frustrating for you and I to hear because what we like to do is we like to see that God is not only hearing our prayers, but he's answering immediately. But trust is cultivated in the silence. Trust is really uncovered. What you put your trust in is discovered when God quits talking, when he stops moving, when you can't see him do it, when you're not seeing these things come to pass. God's silence is not his absence. If you go to your Bible and you open it up, you'll see there is two chapters or two books 
uh, in there. There's two sections. One is the Old Testament and one's the New Testament. In between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New Testament are what are known as the 400 years of silence. I don't like when God's quiet for four minutes. (laughs) And there was 400 years where God wasn't speaking. But what was he doing? He was orchestrating the coming of our Savior. Even when you don't see what God is up to, we can trust that God is moving on our behalf. That's what our trust is revealed, not in the success, but it's revealed in the silence. The entire time God was preparing something great for them because at the end of that silence, we got a savior. And I just wanna give you some hope today. At the other end of what is silent right now, there's a savior who is working on your behalf, who's doing great things for you. God is moving things in your life that you can't even see currently. You need to just bring your frustrations to him in these moments. But sometimes it's not that God is not speaking. It's that we're not tuned into the frequency he's communicating through. Um, now some of you don't know about this, but, and I know I'm, I'm young, right? But I had this radio in my first car that I had to dial. There was not a search button. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You had to dial it and you had to get tuned into that frequency. And what's interesting about radio frequencies is just because you're not on the frequency doesn't mean it's not speaking. The radio isn't silent. You're just not tuned into the frequency that's being pushed through. God does, it works the same way. God is speaking all around us. He's speaking through people. He's speaking through his creation. He's speaking through church leaders and spiritual authorities. But if you're not tuned in, you'll never hear what he wants you to hear. Sometimes God speaks We go, God, I don't know what you want me to do. When's the last time you picked up scripture? Because God is speaking through his word. If you need to hear a word from God, grab your Bible today because he's speaking through it. And I'm not saying you have to pull one of those. Like sometimes, sometimes what we do is we go, all right, I need to, I don't know what, Lord, will you just, I need you to speak. And we lay our Bible open and we go, all right, I'm going to pray the wind blows and wherever it lands, I'm going to start reading. God doesn't need you to do that. Why don't you ask him, hey God, what do you want me to read today? And he'll speak to you and he'll give you verses and he'll give you places to go and you'll go open it. And every time you do that, it cultivates your relationship with him and you learn what it's like to hear the voice of God. I remember back in 2020, I was fed up and frustrated. Come on, anybody else got, when in the middle of the pandemic, I was like, Lord, you need to come quickly or I'm going to kill somebody. You know, like I was just, I was done. And uh, I was really frustrated because our church wasn't able to regather as fast as I wanted us to. And we had to raise money to fix some things. And we had all these issues with this property. And I was like, Lord, I don't know if we're ever going to regather as a church. I think this might be the it, like the end for us. So I went to the mountains for a few days to spend time with Jesus, to rest, to recharge, and really to just pray and go, all right, Lord, like what, what's next? And I remember hearing the Lord say, go to Zephaniah chapter three, verse 20. And I thought that's not in the Bible. You know, (laughs) that's how I knew it was from the Lord. Cause I was like, I ain't never read that book in my life. So I got to Zephaniah chapter three. And what it said was that he was going to bring them back home and restore everything the enemy had taken. Yeah. 
And it was exactly the word I needed for that moment. It showed me that God's silence was not his absence. That he was working on some things behind the scenes that I couldn't even see in those moments. For some of us, we're going, God, I don't know what to do. I need you to tell me what to do with my coworker. And God would have you just open his word to say, love your enemies, bless those who persecute you. God, I don't know what job you want me to take. Whatever you do, glorify God with it. You and I sometimes accuse God of not speaking, but he is communicating through his word. And when we have access to God's word, he is never truly silent. Here's the last thing I've got for you this morning that Habakkuk shows us is that even when you can't trace God, you can trust him. Even when you can't trace him, you can trust him. I don't know about you, but sometimes God confuses me in the way he does things. Because I'm thinking some things should be a little more simple. Like, for example, the feeding of the 5,000. There's obviously a problem. There's about 5,000. Most scholars believe that just counts the men. There's probably 12 to 20,000 people there. And Jesus is going to feed 5,000 people, and he takes some bread and some fish. And Scripture says that he breaks it and then gives it back to the disciples to go to the people. Well, I don't know about you, but if I was believing for a miracle and I handed Jesus a whole piece of bread and he gave me back a half piece of bread and told me to go feed people, I would say, that is not going to work, right? Because sometimes we don't understand what God is doing. But even when we can't trace him, even when we don't understand what he's doing, we can trust him. We can trust that he's doing something behind the scenes because God is Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Before you breathe your first breath, God saw you breathe your last. So he knows what he's doing on the journey. And when we look at Habakkuk's life, it shows us that because in the remaining uh, sections of chapter one, God is going to reveal to Habakkuk what his plan is. And it goes a little something like this. I'm going to raise up your enemy to overthrow and destroy a whole bunch of people. And if I was Habakkuk, I would be going, I don't think that's a good plan. I don't. I don't. God, God, listen, if you want to restore Israel, if you want to restore your people, then just do that. But instead, you're going you're to give our enemies victory. You're going to raise them up. You're going to do all this stuff. Yeah, but even when you can't trace God, you can trust him. So he talks to him about that, and then Habakkuk's like, Lord, you didn't bring us this far to let us down. And the Lord in chapter 2 gives Habakkuk a vision for what to do and what to communicate. And he talks about how those who have victories in the world will not have victory in the long run because, again, our hope is allocated in something, someone who is greater. He talks about overthrowing the enemy. And then chapter three of Habakkuk is all about songs of praise and victory as he begins to celebrate just how good God actually is because he realizes that God didn't bring him this far to drop him now. 
He realizes that God hasn't done all of these things. His plan ultimately was to restore his people to do what he promised to do all along. But on the way, there were some things that God did that he never saw coming. There were things that God was doing that he didn't think were possible. He couldn't trace God always, but here's what he knew. I can trust him. I can trust his character. I can trust his nature because goodness is not what God does. It's who he is. I'm going to trust him even when I can't trace him because here's what he knew and here's what Paul teaches us. And we know, this is Romans chapter 8, 28. We know that God causes everything. Come on, you ought to circle that, highlight that, underline it, tattoo it on your forearm, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, which here's what that means for us. Can I give you some really good news? Uh, uh, Two of you, two of you are ready for, can I give you some good news? If it's not good, God's not done. It's not good. God's not done. I don't know what situation. I don't know what circumstance. I don't know what frustration or hardship you're facing right now. But if the text says, Paul says very confidently, and we know it's not a we think, it's not a God might, we stand confidently in the fact that God causes everything to work out for the good of those who love him. So what happens is in the world we live in, there's going to be chaotic circumstances. God did not cause these mass murders, but can I tell you something? He can use them to draw people to him. The world's not gonna get any better. Scripture didn't promise us that. It promises us the opposite. The world's gonna get worse. It's gonna get so much worse. I know it's not comforting, but that's why our hope's not in this world. Because we know that what God is doing is he's working together everything for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when we look at the world and we look at the brokenness, we look at the condition that everything's in, if we want God to work out everything for our good, the question is, do you love him? And, and what does loving God look like? It's not just love like we, we, we say it here, like, oh, I love you. you know, I tell people all the time I love him because I do. To love God, Scripture says, is to keep his commands. It's to surrender your life to Christ, to allow God to lead you, guide you, and direct you because ultimately he is not only your creator, but he's your loving heavenly father who knows what's best for your life, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if you have said yes to Jesus, you're called according to his purpose. You might not feel like you're called. I'm gonna teach you that next week in our last week of this series. But you're called according to his purpose. And if those two things are true, then he is working everything out for your good. The hope we have as believers is that this world is the worst we ever experience because our hope is in heaven. Our hope, our citizenship has been reallocated. But if we're not followers of Jesus, 
Today's the day where that can shift. I said it earlier, but if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is the best it gets. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed across the room for just a second, maybe you're here and you'd say, hey, I know I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I know I was made for more than this broken world. I know I was made for more than all the chaos, the pain and the suffering. And I wanna surrender my life to God to experience eternal life with him. Here's what I want you to know. No matter what you've done or who you are, Jesus came and he died in your place to take that sin debt that you had and completely cover it. And beginning a relationship with Jesus is really simple. It's not a whole bunch of rules or a whole bunch of step. It's simply accepting the invitation to begin to follow Christ. It's not this declaration that from this day forward, you're perfect. It's just to say, hey, you know what? I've decided that I'm gonna follow Jesus. I've decided I'm gonna put my hope in something that's bigger than this world. If that's you today and you say, I wanna make that decision, would you just lift your hand for a moment and boldly declare, that's me, I wanna surrender my life to Christ. Here's what we're gonna do, church. Nobody prays alone, we all pray together. Will you repeat this after me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for checking out today's message at Propel Church. We pray that God spoke to you powerfully. And if you made any kind of decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or recommit your life to Jesus, or maybe you just want to share something that God spoke to you through today's message, do us a favor and send us an email to amen at propel.church. And if God is using this ministry to impact your life and you'd like to partner with us financially, you can do so over at propel.church slash give. We pray God's blessing and favor over your life and believe that the best days have yet to come.